Blog Talk Radio. Welcome aboard, and I definitely mean it. Welcome aboard. Army Navy game this weekend, baby. Yeah. Go Army. We're going to get into that conversation here in just a moment with Rick Riggin, our executive producer of the ballots. We're going to be talking some college football as well. Bowl games at Heisman Trophy hopefuls. Maybe a sooner or a later. I don't know. We're going to get into that conversation here in just a few moments. Also, NFL, we roll into week number 13. Is it an unlucky number for some teams or a lucky number for some teams? We'll be talking about that. Of course, both for the BS Sports Show is going to talk with us a little bit about where to put our money at this weekend. 917-889-8516 is my digits. By the way, my name is Tom Marquis. I am on loan to you from God, El Presidente. Glad that you could be in my court, in my throne. As I look upon my kingdom, I realize there are so many misguided souls when it comes to sports. And my job is to help you get through that maze. We're going to kick this off here in just a few moments. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Want to talk sports? 917-889-8516. Tonight, I just want to take you away. So y'all in the bins of shame. Let's make this party all right. Play it. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Okay, I'm in. Roger, sir. All right, team, here we're going to go on a five-mile run to get warmed up. Hey, where's Navy? Hey, you guys start off on a slow jog. Let me get Navy. All right. All right. Come on, Navy. Time for a run. I'll catch up. Hey, Alexis. Yes. Chad. Order me the Friday night special. Ordering a Hawaiian pizza. With extra pineapple from Grant Hall. Every single time. Hey, Alexis. When is this year's Army-Navy game? Army will beat Navy on December 8, 2018. No, Alexis. Army beat Navy the last two years. There is no way that is happening for a third year in a row. Army will three-peat Navy on December 8, 2018. Alexis? Three-peat. 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 Alexis? Three-peat. Three-peat.
And that is how you get a squid to run. Squids are running. Rick Riggin, executive producer of the Ballast, join us. Let's get into this talk. It is Army-Navy game, the best game of the year. Throw out all the records. Nobody cares about a bull. This is two of the best military institutions going at it. Rick Riggin, how is you, sir? Yeah, you're right. It is the second and third best military institution going at it. Uh, obviously, Air Force is number one. It is every year. Uh, we already know <laughs> that. So, uh, be, but, yeah. hey, this Touché. is a big game. I mean, Air Force is just too big to have a game like this against either Army or Navy. <laughs> have college game day there. So. <laughs> well, I get excited about it every year. Obviously, I know you were Air Force, and thanks for the Air Force plug. We salute all of our service members. And certainly as we come off from the day of uh, yesterday of being at the day after Pearl Harbor, Remembrance Day. And as we just remember this past week about a, a generation really that is just fastly fading away. And, you know, again, not a political show, but certainly great stories about George W. Bush. And, and then to see uh, Bob Dole salute George Bush. Obviously, both of them were in World War II. It just goes to show, my grandfather's in World War II, both of my grandfathers for that matter, it just goes to show that there's a generation out there that uh, began this legacy that we have. And one of the greatest tributes that we could do to our troops, and I know you and I, uh, Rick, and on the balance here, we're very, very supportive of our troops. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it, it is a, it, sometimes we, we get caught up in the mix of things, and people forget about the importance of our troops. And it's always good to just sit back and reflect and watch the Army-Navy game. That's certainly a game that has a lot of uh, tradition and legacy behind it. And uh, we always root uh, for our particular team. My son's rooting for the Navy. I'm rooting for the Army today. Rick, talk with us a little bit about the Army-Navy game, what it is, and what it really does mean, not just to the average sports fan, but just to every American out there. Well, real quick before I get into the game, and you was talking about the uh, World War II veterans, uh, your grandfathers, obviously, and then a uh, President Bush and Bob Dole. I mean, that truly was the greatest generation. Uh, just think about George Bush, you know, that, that this whole past week, you know, uh, uh, seeing his funeral and, and everything and everything that surrounds his celebration of life. It, it was really moving at times, but but think about his World War II service. Uh, he was 20 years old, and he was a, a pilot during World War II when his plane was shot down, and his two other guys in the plane with him bailed on him. Uh, he crashes into the Pacific Ocean. He's rescued by a submarine uh, at the age of 20 years old. Uh, you cannot even put into words how legendary that is, that whole generation is. Uh, the, the things that they went through at that age uh, during that time, uh, we, we can't even like think about that these days. And you know, you know, Rick, you, also a lot of people, people don't know this unless you're just a history buff like myself. He was actually shot down twice, and he was MIA uh, for about six months or so. And Barbara Bush didn't even know if he was alive. 
and did nothing but reread his letters and reread his letters. So there was two times, and I really was – I watched the funeral. I was really just touched by what George Bush Jr. – the only thing – I don't know that we'll ever see this again in our lifetime. Maybe we will, but I don't think that we will. I can't see that it happening. Uh, seeing as how I'm 50 years old now and I don't see any other uh, uh, presidents whose son's going to be president uh, since, uh, you know, John Quincy Adams. And and in the history of our nation, George Bush Jr. was the first and only uh, so far president to be a former president and give a eulogy to his father, which is also a former president. And one of the things he said was, you know, that George Bush cheated death more than one one time, and never talked about that because God had better plans for him. God had obviously he, he went on to be the pre- president of the United States, and maybe truly one of the the best one term presidents we'll ever see. History will tell that lesson. But you, that generation, and going back, that generation was huge, and and I think we need to get back. And again, not trying to get on the political spectrum here, but I think as Americans as a whole. We need to get back to what the greatest generation truly was. Let's talk a little bit about the Army Navy rivalry. It's one of a kind. What does it what it, what it what is it, Rick? What makes it up? What makes it such a rivalry? What are your thoughts about today's Army Navy game? Well, the pride of the services is at stake here. Yeah, you don't want to lose to the other one, right? I mean, so that's really what's uh, what's at stake here. The, the pride, the history, the tradition, all of that is on the line here. And you don't want to be losing to the other service academies, you know, obviously, if you're Army or Navy. Uh, that's why they refuse to play Air Force in a game like this. So they don't want to be losing. <laughs> <to> the... <laughs> well, so that's really well, what's at stake here. I mean, it, 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 it's a beautiful game. I love this game. I mean, it, it's just it, how physical – and how much determination that goes into this game and how physical it is. And uh, also the respect, the show of respect to each other. It's something else you just do not see in in, in any any other sport. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be taking place in Philadelphia. We'll get Ed Kratz's thoughts here in the second hour as we talk about NFL, but we'll also get his thoughts on it. I know he has a lot of friends and family that are Navy, so I think he's rooting for the Navy. It's right there in his backyard there in Philadelphia, the 119th rendition of the Army-Navy rivalry. Uh, It's just about here, uh, Rick, and I get so excited. I get goosebumps uh, just thinking about it. The Army Black Knights are 9-2 and are looking for their third straight. uh, Let me repeat that. One, two, three. Three straight uh, victory over really a sloppy midshipman team that enters the game with just uh, three wins on the season. And as we look at Navy, and we've looked at Navy over the past years, this has to be the most crippling season that Navy has had going into the Army-Navy game. Yeah, this year not only was Navy kind of in a, a rebuilding or reloading year, if, if you would say, uh, they've also dealt with a number of injuries. That's really hampered their success this year too. So uh, going into this game today, I mean, I'll just go up put my prediction out there. Uh, I know it's probably going to be low scoring because of the two offenses that, that these two teams run. Uh, but I do see Army. I, I don't know if they're ranked now. I can't remember. But they were ranked at one point this season, which is crazy, the Army being the top 25. That's how great of a year they've had this uh, this season. And I think that's going to continue. I think they're going to get the third straight win this year. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well as something that I've watched my whole life. And uh, so we'll see what happens. 
but you know, hey, I watched real it quick, though. Sure. Real quick, when I did see the Army was ranked this year, I was like, "What year is this? Is this nineteen like forty eight, something like that?" Yeah, because it, it was it was great to see uh, a service academy in the top twenty five. We do see Navy there every there every now and then, but it just feels like it's been so long since Army has been there. And it looks like Army is back this year, at least. I mean, I don't know what they'll be losing after this year to uh, graduation and in in the other service members going on into their their posts. They're, you know, they're, they're military jobs, you know, they're coming out to be officers, obviously. So, but this was a great year for Army, and I see that continuing in this game. Well, I had an opportunity once in my life to see that game live, and it, it is a special, special game. And I was a child. I watched it with my grandfather. Uh, obviously, he was for Army, too, uh, and uh, play, you know, watch it when it was on TV, and uh, my my grandfather, who was an Army veteran, and, and then later, uh, you know, after college, I went on to be an officer in the Army myself. So it is a, a huge, huge thing, and uh, uh, especially the first time if you've ever get a chance to see it live, I wouldn't care whether or not you're a veteran or not a veteran, to, to, to see it live, uh, because it is uh, – Army-Navy is unique uh, – <laughs> I guess that's an over overused term, but uh, certainly uh, we, we look at the Army-Navy game. We, we want to talk about their, their record, and we want to talk about the game itself. But we also want to talk about the history about the game, and it is so much fun every year. We, 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 I know we spend a lot of time here talking about that. And we've seen all kinds of uh, rivalries in sports, but uh, nothing gets to me like the Army-Navy game. It's because the young men and women in that stadium that are – Looking at the, at this more than just a a ball game, they this is not just a, an actual this is not just another college football game. These are young men and women who have put on a uniform and have said, "I am going to serve our country and I'm going to go wherever it takes." It is not, "Hey, when I graduate college, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go do this." They're going to go serve their country when they graduate college, and to me, that's one of the greatest sacrifices that any college student could make. Yeah, and you just said it right there. It doesn't feel like your typical college football game, and in many ways it's not. It's it's much bigger than that to me. Uh, me, anyway, I, I have a big soft spot for a military. It has such a piece of my heart, obviously, because, you know, me and you are both veterans. Uh, if I never got to go to this game, I would love to. Uh, the I will be in tears for these during this opening ceremony they have this game every year. It just it's so cool. Yes. I'll probably ugly ugly cry a little bit, but uh, I have a big softy for our military. And to me, this does not feel like a college football game at all. There's just so much at stake when you're talking about our military. These two service academies. Uh, I mean, it, it's almost like they carry the, the tradition of the Army and Navy. They they put it all on their backs and they leave it out on the field, and that's what makes this game special. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I I have a big soft uh, soft spot myself. You know, when they, of course, when we always hear the national anthem, it's it's something pretty awesome. I I would say next to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when they do their their national anthem, the greatest place to be when they play the national anthem uh, is at the Army Navy game. All the students, Army Navy. Uh, all of them stand, salute, and if that doesn't give you a chill, I don't, I don't know what is. There's something wrong, uh, and uh, 
those 8,000-some-odd students, whatever it is, it's somewhere between eight and 10,000 students will be there today, have volunteered uh, to die for us if need be. You know, decades ago, uh, Rick, both teams were serious competitors with major college football programs. While there's still that expectation, that's no longer the normal. What do you think changed that dynamic? Uh, the size and speed of athletes. Obviously, the military academies, they have size restrictions. That's why they're all triple option teams, and that just does not work in today's today's college football. Uh, these these linemen for Army or Navy are 250, 260 pounds, and that's about as big as they can get as far as size restrictions, you know, Mm-hmm. for the military academies, uh, and they're going up against teams like Notre Dame where the average lineman's 310 pounds. So they're outweighed by 50 or 60 pounds up front, and that, that's a big part of it right there. They can still be competitive because there's no quit. I guarantee you there's no damn quit in these service academies. So they're going to be competitive, but as far as actually ever competing for a playoff spot or something like that, that just the landscape of college football, of college football has changed. And, you know, these bigger athletes and faster athletes are going on to the elite programs now and trying to find, you know, carve their path into the NFL instead of going into the military. So that is that, – that's the reasons why it's changed. You know, you're talking about in the 30s, 40s, and 50s when programs like this were really successful winning national championships. No longer the case because just the mindset of the athlete and the, the phys- how physical these athletes are, how big they get uh, – they wouldn't be able to actually get into the service academies because of how big they are. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously the, the military requires certain weight restrictions. I, I think a lot of the change started after Vietnam. Uh, a lot of people didn't want to sign up for the military. And, and in, in the era where that, you know, that you were referring to prior to Vietnam, uh, a, a military officer made more money than a professional football player. That's clearly not the case anymore uh and the academics not only to recruit guys who can play football but we're also smart enough and tough enough uh to play at a military academy let's 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 put the the fact that these are talented uh athletes aside even if they get a scholarship they're required let's let's hyper emphasize that word required to excel in academics and that is something that's huge and and I think that it's remarkable that in an era where most high school football players sort of NFL, that the academics still remain competitive as they do. And so these, we'll call them soldiers because that's what they are, uh, soldiers and, and seamen, uh, and don't make a joke about the word seamen, uh, male juvenile humor kicking in there, but. Uh, <laughs> Let's 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 be very very conscious of the fact that these guys are not on that field to try to be NFL players. Have we seen NFL players come out of the service academy? A few, a few, and certainly uh, one of the greatest uh, from from Navy as well. Uh, but for the most part, as a rule, we don't see a lot of. NFL players uh, come out of the service academies. Yeah, you just hit on really what is kind of a problem across all of college football right now is that that's a big part of recruiting. Uh, I'll just use Notre Dame as an example, you know, obviously because it's me. But (laughs) 
Well, Brian Kelly sits in the living room for you know a, a, a recruit, maybe somebody he's going after for uh, Notre Dame. That kid's going to sit there and think about does he want to actually go to class or something that matters in life first, and football comes second because that's the way it is at Notre Dame. That's how that's because it's how hard it is to to win at Notre Dame, and not only that. In the wintertime, it gets really cold at Notre Dame versus when Nick Saban goes to a kid's house. Obviously, at Alabama, you do not have to go to class whatsoever. They just hand you a degree in something called general studies. I don't know what that is, but you do not have to go to class at some schools. You have to excel academically at other schools, and you said it right there. You touched on a problem in college football right now. It's not a level playing field. So uh, to make that commitment – it's not only the academic commitment at the service academies. They also have a military commitment when they graduate. I can't remember if it's two or four years because their four years as, as a cadet might actually count for military service. I don't know how that works. So it could actually be a six-year military commitment or an eight-year, depending on if you have to do two or four years after you graduate. So that's a big commitment. That's a big commitment academically, and it's a big life commitment when, you're, when, you, when you actually graduate. You're required to do four years after a service academy graduation, uh, two years if you do it like I did ROTC uh, through Indiana University. That, that's a two-year commitment after that point. But if you graduate from a service academy, it's a four-year commitment. So let's talk a little bit about today's game. It is an actual football game, and it's an actual NCAA game, and it is an actual game that, that means something as far as in the books of the NCAA. Army scared the hell out of Oklahoma this year, and for the last four of the last 12 years, talking about Notre Dame, Navy has beaten Notre Dame. Fred Goldsmith, talking about Air Force, was a former assistant coach there at the Air Force Academy. He used to say the biggest difference is simple. At a civilian school, the hardest part of the football player's day is practice. At an academy, the easiest part of the football day is of the day is practice. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's right. And they did give Oklahoma a scare. They could have beat Oklahoma. Army is really good this year, and they are not going to quit. It doesn't matter what the score is going to be today, or not not really today, but no matter who their opponent is these service academies they're going to fight you all the way until the game ends so that's why we see we even see with notre dame navy like you said notre navy has beat notre dame now a few times these past several years uh there's been times notre dame's been up big in these games and navy has clawed back and fought back and because they don't quit neither one of these academies are going to quit and that maybe that's because of what their military lifestyle is football being the easiest part of their day it makes it easier during the games to actually grind and keep grinding and keep coming at your opponent to the point where your opponent doesn't know what to do and they're not themselves anymore. And that's why we see them play tough against uh, uh, these elite schools. Like we saw Citadel this year tied at halftime with Alabama. Uh, I know we don't think of Citadel as one of these big military schools like Army, Navy, Air Force. But Citadel is, is an academy. It's an academy school. Yep. So Yes, you're right. Uh, yeah. They were tied with Alabama this year at halftime at 10. They held Alabama to 10 points. So it just speaks to what goes into their day and how much they have to grind, and that's, that's the mentality they have on the football field. Well, one of the greatest things, uh, if you're looking for uh, uh, penalties as far as offsides, and that's one, some of the most disciplined teams in record 
record holding is the academy's like no offsides because very very disciplined. You know, with rivalry games, Rick, like this one, it especially seems like the records and statistics that really don't matter on game day, and that's today. Why do you think that is? And are you with us, Rick? Yeah, with you now. Everything cut out for like a good ten seconds. It was a long ten seconds. It was the <laughs> longest ten seconds of my life. Did yeah, you hear I didn't my hear question? anything you said. No, not at all. Oh. <laughs> well, I was just saying that. I actually have my phone out, Gary. Text you that everything just went silent. So. <laughs> well, I don't know why that happened because it didn't go silent in my ears. I maybe I need to start doing some investigations. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to open up I, I a special investigation. I think it's guy because I, I think every week I, there, there's a few of these moments on the show where everything cuts out, and I think the culprit is Skype. If you use a Skype, I think that's the reason why. Well, Skype is what we use because Skype is given us the technology that we have. If there's an alternate technology out there, can somebody please let me know other than Skype? All I was asking you was about rivalry games. This one especially, but we look at a lot of rivalry games. It seems like records and statistics don't really matter on game day. Why do you think that is? I'm sorry, repeat the question again because it's still broke. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. OMG. Right Capital now. OMG. Even right, now you're at me. Even right now you're yelling at me, and it's breaking you in and out. <laughs> All right, let's go slow. Okay. With rivalry games, it seems like statistics and records really don't matter on game day like today. Why do you think that is? I don't think any coach or player for any team, doesn't matter if it's this, this game or not, worries about record or records or stats or w- what one team has done against the other. Uh, I, I think in the, any rivalry game, the idea is just to beat the crap out of your rival, and that's the only thing that matters. Uh, USC would have loved nothing more to knock Notre Dame out of this year, not really just to get the win, but only because they're in their season because they're a rival. And in a game like this, I think it's even bigger than what's just called a rivalry game. This is, like I said, this is two service academies with all that history and tradition on the line. You know, so I don't think uh, records and stats matter in any game, really. You know, Bob Bob Sutton uh, Sutton used to be a coach in, for Army back in the '90s. I, I think he went six and three against Navy, and used to say there's 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 more desperate what what was it? It was more desperate teams to win in Army Navy, regardless of the record. Uh, you'd have to be more desperate. So frequently, the underdog was the winner. If that's the case, that's good news for Navy. Navy is uh, the definite uh, underdog uh, coming in today's game kickoff at, at 3 p.m. on CBS. Yeah, maybe there's truth to that because they uh, they don't hold anything back, I guess. Uh, I don't know what Navy's record is. I don't even know if they can even get bowl eligible after if they win today. So maybe they just leave it all. Hey, of course, they're going to hold nothing back against the Army. But – Army is bowl eligible. Army's got nine wins. Uh, This game here could determine what kind of bowl game they get into. So, and they don't want to risk injury, I guess maybe because of the bowl game they could or potentially get 
get into. So maybe that's a, a factor today where Navy comes out, nothing else to lose, and holds nothing back. But with Army playing in a bowl game, you know, that's that, that's great. And I think it's a 10 wins. Obviously, that, at 10 wins, Army could be flirting with the New Year's six. I don't see that because I think that bowl, those bowls are already determined, but they might hold a little bit back, you know, be, depending on their bowl game. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll get back. We're going to get into some of the bowl game talk and also Heisman Trophy talk. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. <laughs> The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome 
All right, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark, myself, President. Hey, half an hour off the clock. Still got another 90 minutes with the crew here. Rick Riggin, executive producer of the balance. We've been talking about the Army Navy game. Uh, obviously, a big game, big uh, rivalry game uh, between the two uh, service academies. One of three or four, if you will, service academies. It's time to move on to the Highland Trump Talk. Riggin. Do we have a Heisman sooner or later today, tomorrow, whenever? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's going to be sooner because I think Kyler Murray has it locked up. Well, let's talk a little bit about Kyler Murray. Um, See, so this is a perfect example. Now, I'm going to make a case both ways. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, and we're going to – go our different ways as we always do. This is a perfect example of a guy that did not have such a perfect season till the end. Now we're talking about him having it wrapped up. When we walked into the 2018 season, Rick, did we think he might be a a candidate? Yes. But would we say, oh, I think he's got it wrapped up at the beginning of the season? No. So how much weight is given the candidates at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, and how much weight is actually given on the overall season, which is where I think that people who have the vote lose their marbles. They don't look at the overall. I'm not saying that he's not a, a worthy candidate because he certainly is. What I'm trying to say is we're, we're saying, oh, he's got it wrapped up because of the last four games. Go ahead. Yeah, and this is where I stop you right there because he was excellent all season. He didn't have that letdown moment or letdown game or even a slow start to the season. Uh, he has been consistent, consistently great all season long. And now look at his stats. More passing yards than Tua. More touchdowns than Tua. More rushing yards than Alabama's rushing leader. Uh, so I think he has this thing locked up. And you should be making the argument against Tua because the last four games of the season for Tua, he hasn't been as dynamic, and he has been playing injured, and he even got hurt and taken out of their game against Georgia. And I think that's Tua's downfall. That's why Tua is not going to win. And also Tua won the Maxwell Award yesterday, and nine times out of ten the Maxwell Award goes to the Heisman runner-up. So I think it's Kyler Murray's uh, trophy. I think Oklahoma is going to get back-to-back Heisman winners. And we didn't know about this. We didn't know about Kyler Murray and how great he was going to be. You know, the shoes that he filled, he's going to have to fill when Baker Mayfield left. But he has came in and outplayed and done everything for Oklahoma better than Baker, than Baker Mayfield did. Uh, he's been a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Baker won the Heisman last year. Uh, Kyler Murray has this thing locked up. If it's not Kyler Murray, uh, I'm going to be shocked. So, this is probably saving money uh, being dished out to have his guy be a Heisman Trophy winner because uh, there's no way Tua wins his Heisman Trophy over uh, Kyler Murray. I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you there. I, again, being a great uh, Heisman Trophy winner doesn't always translate to being a great NFL quarterback. Uh, Baker May, Mayfield. Not this year, but he will be going to the NFL. No, not at all. 
because uh, he's, he's not, already signed. He's already signed with the Oakland Athletics. Oh, see, you're smarter than I am on that one particular yeah, subject. Yeah, yo, it's live yeah, on your show. Oh, you're you're football guy, man. oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, see, <laughs> that's why you're executive producer, not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's 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 go through these. Obviously, the Heisman Trophy is given to the most outstanding player in the country, voted on by sports journalists. Uh, time out there, sports journalists don't always know everything. It should be also voted on across the board, but that's neither here nor there. And past Heisman winners alike each year. Uh, voting began on November sixth and included and concluded on December third. Following the conference championship games, and the finalists will be awarded, will be announced today. So we're going to go through the finalists, which we already know who we think it will be. But let's give a fair air time to everyone, and we'll start yeah. with Ohio State's. We'll start with Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins. Uh, give the argument for and against Dwayne Haskins. Well, my argument for Dwayne Haskins is probably the same argument I'll have for Kyler Murray. Uh, Ohio State depends on Dwayne Haskins for absolutely everything. He has carried he has carried this team uh, because this Ohio State does not play defense, just like Oklahoma. They have also really underachieved in the running game this year, and this everything that they've done this year has been on the shoulders of Dwayne Haskins. He has carried this team through the mud through that 29-point loss against Purdue. Uh, you can't put that on Dwayne Haskins because Ohio State, just the whole team surrounding him is just not that great, and he has carried this team uh, to the Big Ten Championship. So that is my reason why he could win, because I think out of all three teams, Bama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, Ohio State, that's the team that depends on their quarterback, their guy the most because of what he's done. But the cons is that loss to Purdue, which if you're a Heisman Trophy candidate, even though he had great numbers in that game, you can't lose a game like that. You can't. And it's also not his fault that their defense couldn't stop Maryland and they get a one-point victory in overtime against Maryland. Those are the cons against Ohio State. And the other two cons is the fact that he's playing at the same time that Tua and Kyler Murray are playing. So, also, those are points against Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins is great. Dwayne Haskins is going to be an NFL guy. Uh, but those are the cons. It's not They're not big cons. But just the season Ohio State had this year and everything surrounding it, it he didn't really have that Heisman Trophy moment. So, that would be my knock against Dwayne Haskins. Well, let's talk a little bit about Tua Tagalova. Whatever you have, we'll just go with Tua. Obviously, uh, as we know his story, Alabama has two great, awesome quarterbacks. Let's talk about that game last Saturday night. Tua goes down, goes out. Backup quarterback comes in. Totally lost his job last year. Totally been in the shadow of Tua. Comes in to, to... have just a fantastic game as if it was totally seamless. Alabama has their quarterback situation sold up. If Tua was not with Alabama, would we be talking about him today? As a Heisman, I mean, we'd be talking about him because he would, but would we be talking about him as a Heisman if if he had not came in 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 and won the championship last year and came back and had a stellar year this year? 
Uh, nothing against him. Don't, uh, maybe I, I don't like him because he plays for Alabama. Maybe that's the only reason I don't like him, because that's the only thing I can think of as to why I don't like him. But I also don't like his presence with the media. I don't like the way that he has this entitlement mentality. And I think he's going to get a rude awakening when he gets to the NFL. I think what he's showing us is that he's going to be injury prone and that he is not going to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. And I think what he is showing us, and, and, and I don't think that he's a Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know that, that if he wasn't with Alabama, we don't know this. We're just saying this just to, to, to say things. But I don't know that if he wasn't with Alabama, that he would even be in the Heisman talk. I just, I don't, I don't know. Because I don't know that the story would be the same. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know about his mentality and everything with the media because we don't see him in front of the media much because Nick Saban has a pretty Exactly. Uh, uh, with, uh, he, he ignores the media like they – No, like no, the no, 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 that's incorrect. Uh, Nick Saban has strict rules by his players even talking to the media. Uh, he does not let his players do it. Uh, so just a handful of times that we've seen it, any Alabama player, uh, what are they supposed to say, really? Uh, he, I think he's a team guy. I, I think he's exactly what you want uh, as a young man, as your quarterback. But we don't see uh, Alabama players go in front of the media. We don't see Notre Dame players much in front of the media. You know, they have rules against media and, and their players talking in front of the camera, basically. So that's the reason why. It has nothing to do with his mentality, and you think he's cocky. It's just they have rules in Alabama. They don't let their players talk to the media. So. That's the reason why they're there. So, uh, the other things I, so why do, I would, why, I would why do we, say – why do, why, why, do, why do people as a whole – just you look at social media, just look at a, at a whole, they don't like Tua. Why is that? I don't is it think it's he a plays Tua problem. I think it's an Alabama problem. People are just sick of Alabama. People are sick of seeing the reports of Alabama funneling uh, – the money laundering schemes through churches to uh, players' families that get recruited to Alabama and it, all this little low-ball stuff that goes on in Alabama. You know what happens. It happens at a lot of schools. But I think people are just sick of seeing Alabama, so that's the reason why, too, is not liked. Uh, every time I watched him play and he gets hit, he's kind of like a porcelain doll. He comes up limping. I don't know. It's just a, it's a nagging injury he's had all year. I, I, would, I, I would like to see Alabama lose. I do not want to see somebody like Tua – the talent he has, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I think that's uh, not the way to go about it, watching Tua hurt and be happy about that. Uh, so, but that's going to be his downfall for the Heisman is he was hurt, banged up towards the end of the year, didn't play as sharp as he did throughout the season, and was taken out against Georgia. So that's the reason why Tua won't win the Heisman this year. Well, and it, 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 it brings us back to exactly what we started the conversation with, and I, and I, and I think we're going to be joined by Mo here in just a minute. But uh, and that's Kyler Murray. Uh, I think we have a very solid argument that Kyler Murray is going to be the um, uh, Heisman Trophy winner back to back years for Oklahoma. Congratulations to them. Let's talk about Kyler Murray. His his go ahead and give a a reason why he shouldn't be. Uh, give a give a give an argument as to why he shouldn't be the Heisman Trophy winner and why he should be? Well, honestly, Tom, right now I can't think of a reason why he shouldn't be. Uh, 
but he's like Dwayne Haskins at Oklahoma. He he carries he carries Oklahoma the way Dwayne Haskins carries Ohio State. And it was, go back to Tua really quick. That's another reason why Tua won't win because we saw Jalen Hurts come in against Georgia and bring Alabama back and win that game. So Tua does not mean as much to Alabama as Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins means to Oklahoma and Ohio State. Uh, but just the stats I gave out earlier, how he has more passing yards and touchdowns than Tua. Tongo Vailoa, by the way, is how you pronounce that. And also uh, more rushing yards than Alabama's leading rusher. So that's, those are the reasons why he's going to win. Uh, but he's in the same boat Dwayne Haskins is Oklahoma depends on him so much. We don't know anything about Oklahoma's backups. We've never seen him unless it's been late in the fourth quarter and a blowout win. So, but two doesn't mean as much to Alabama as Kyle Murray means to Oklahoma. Well, if we were to give our own balanced Heisman Trophy, it would be to Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, welcome aboard, sir. How are you? Well, I'd wind up being the Charlie Ward then, I guess, of Heisman Trophies because I would be very disappointed in, in uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, good, man. Good, good. So we, uh, Rick Riggins on with us as well. We're talking the Heisman Trophy odds and top contenders. Uh, if you're uh, – well, let's, let's go into the Vegas lines here. You've got Kyler Murray, Tua, uh, and Dwayne Haskins as the finalist. Uh, Rick and I seem to go with the, the favorite, and that's uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, but uh, we were talking about arguments for and against all three of those. And we'll let you go ahead and, and give your arguments for and against all three of those. I know we only got you for a limited amount of time. Thanks for calling in today. Kyler Murray, Tua from Alabama, because I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name again because I butcher it every single time. And Dwayne Haskins from Ohio. There we go. Thanks, Rick, and from Ohio <laughs> State. So you got Oklahoma having the opportunity of having back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, obviously last year being Baker Mayfield, uh, and then Tua with Alabama, and then Dwayne Haskins with Ohio State, Mo. Well, with, uh, with Tua, the fact that he didn't play a lot of the second halves, I think, hurt him a ton. Uh, his stats are phenomenal for when he played, but I think uh, Rick, what Rick said was you know, perfectly right. I think that Alabama could have gone undefeated with Jalen Hurts, and I think that's what hurts him uh, when you look at Dwayne Haskins. No pun intended. Disappointment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, when you look at, uh, when you look at uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, I think their, their loss of Purdue uh, hurt him. And, you know, he had a few games where, because they relied so heavily on passing, that he didn't have great games. Uh, but he sure, uh, you know, his last couple of games have been phenomenal. So I think that's what hurts him. And I, and I think for Kyler Murray, uh, you know, the, the one knock on him would be the defense uh, that he plays against. But, you know, he, he's led this team uh, to another, uh, you know, to another uh, uh, Final Four and took, you know, there was no drop-off between him and Baker Mayfield, who was a – former Heisman, and I think that stuff plays big. Well, let's talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts. Uh, obviously, backup quarterback, if you want to call him that, for Alabama. But last week, we saw Tua go down, get hurt, and, and uh, Jalen Hurts comes in and, and really just takes control of the game. You look at his just his overall composure. His starting job last one of those crushes that can happen to a college football quarterback. Saddles up, mans up, and says, hey, I'm going to be the best damn backup quarterback in college football. And, and, and if he's not done that, I don't know who has, hasn't. And, and, and then you just you talk about the roller coaster of emotions uh, that he's going through. But when you, when you look at him being in the show of Tua, if you're Jalen Hurts, you're like, hey, 
look at me. I'm still here. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I, I thought it was nice at the end of the game that uh, Nick Saban got emotional uh, over it uh, when talking about Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, you look at the the quarterback from Clemson who's now going to be at uh, Missouri next year. You know, a lot of times when guys uh, lose their starting spot uh, in college football, especially if they want to go to the NFL, they transfer. And Jalen Hurts didn't do that. He even spent time uh, on the scout team this year after uh, dealing with an injury. So, you know, he's uh, he's a kid that definitely has uh, a lot of character and, and a lot of uh, uh, testicular fortitude to uh, stick around when he wasn't the starter and uh I think he proved his worth, and it'll be interesting to see if he does stick around uh, or if he does uh, use his performance to, uh, you know, catapult himself into another big program as their starting quarterback. So, Rick, let's uh, we'll finish off the college football conversation, then we're going to kind of merge slowly into the NFL conversation. Uh, when we look at picking today's winner overall, do you think that Kyler Murray is – in fact, the person we go with. Yeah, definitely. For the reasons we talked about earlier, more passing yards and, and, and touchdowns than than Tua. You know, even last year we said Saquon Barkley through like most of the season was going to be the winner, and then Baker Mayfield ended up winning. I think since we was all were thinking Tua all year long this year, I think at the end here, Kyler Murray is going to win it. Oklahoma is going to get back to back Heisman Trophy winners here because. Kyler Murray put together a better season than Baker Mayfield Mayfield had last year. Uh, he Oklahoma depends on him so much for everything, and uh, I just think with that alone, and they got to avenge that loss against Texas at the end. So that is what's going to put him over the top. Like I said, the passing yards and touchdowns. He even has more rushing yards than uh, Alabama's rushing leader right now. So uh, that is what what is going to make make him the Heisman Trophy winner tonight. Mo, if Tua somehow figures out a way, we won't say he has no control over it, but let's say Tua wins, what kind of chaos and conspiracy theories will run rampant uh, among sports fans today? Uh, a bunch. It'll show that the um, that college football and, and the networks and the guys are still, uh, they prefer the SEC. Uh, I, I'm with Rick. I don't see a way that he wins. I mean, it looks like they're away from Tua. He had a, 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 an impressive year. But imagine if you would have played every game, all game, it would have been even more impressive. And then you probably would be looking at him as the Heisman Trophy winner. But, you know, when you're Alabama and you're that good, you're expected to win. So uh, if, if he does win, there definitely will be some sort of conspiracy theory around that uh, the media does prefer the SEC. But I, I don't see any way that, uh, that he pulls it out. Hey guys, here's here's a here's a crazy scenario. You'll never see this happen. And honestly, I'd be the same way if I won the lottery. I'm not going to say I'm not deserving of it. But let's let's just run a an imaginary scenario here. Tua wins, Rick, and says, "You know, I'm not worthy of this. I'm giving it to Kyler Murray." That could not happen. It would not happen. But wouldn't that just rock the world if that did happen, Rick? Yeah, I, I guess. But maybe the three guys. I think they're as young as they are, right? and but they're very professional. I, I would think all three would probably have a speech like that. That It's a oh-my-God moment, but maybe I'm not – I don't feel like I, I did anything special because, you know, it's a team game. You know, you get that same speech, well, I'm not worthy of this or, or just something. So I think we would probably get that same kind of speech from, like, all three guys no matter who wins. Well, guys, uh, we're going to wrap up the college football talk here. Uh, and Mo, I don't know how long I got you for, so uh, you just let me know when you got to go. But I also, I'll start with you on. 
Okay, I'll start with you. Um, Kurt Hunt, domestic violence or not? And there's a reason to ask that question. Go ahead. I mean, here's the funny thing about it is when when videos produced, that makes everything a whole lot worse. I mean, how much how often do we talk about Tyree killing her up until the Supreme Home thing happened, and he punched his pregnant girlfriend now wife. I mean, and and you know was convicted of it. So it's funny how the double standard is. Once the video comes out, we're more uh, we're taken aback by it. Like, how can he do this? But it seems like there is a pattern there uh, with his anger. But I mean. Tom, worth my words, somebody's going to sign this guy because he's a good football player. He's young. He's not the, the age of Ray Rice, so it started the tail off. Somebody's going to sign this guy, and, and it's going to happen. But the NFL, to me, uh, is, is, is just as at fault for they, – they got to get out of the investigation business. They are terrible uh, when it comes to doing this. I mean, TMZ continues to get these videos that they can't get, and they never file the records request with the Cleveland Police Department to, to do this. Like, I, I don't get how – the NFL is so terrible at handling these situations. Every time they find a new way to screw this up each and every time. Uh, obviously, Kareem Hunt needs help. Uh, he needed help way back when, and he still hadn't sought it until now this video comes out. So, uh, But mark my words, you'll, you'll find him on a roster sooner than later. Okay, guys, so here's my, here's my method why we still got Mo. I named this show today Call Me Crazy. Okay, so here's a scenario. And I, going right along with what Mo said, we make jokes about this last week about the Washington Redskins. But let's let's maybe behind every joke's a little bit of a reality. The Washington Redskins, Rick and Mo, need a quarterback, Colin Kapatrick. They need a running back like nobody's business. Hunt is there. As crazy as it sounds. The Washington Redskins can save a lot of money, can come in underneath the radar, and really make a big difference going into 2019, 2020, Rick. I'm not a big fan of Colin Kapatrick. Everybody knows that, so I don't want to get on that kick. But it's time that he get if – if the time is for him to get signed, it is now. And like Mo said, there's another team ready to sign him. The Washington Redskins, crazy like a fox, if you will, Rick, Sign Colin Kilpatrick and Kareem Hunt going into next year. This could be huge, huge, huge for them. Uh, I think it'd be a great move. Uh, for one, you get Colin Kaepernick for four games here, and if he's not any good, you only have him four games and you let him go. Uh, if he does turn out to be good, then you get a good quarterback, and Dan Snyder signing Colin Kaepernick, Kareem Hunt, and uh, Reuben Foster will win the NAACP award. So I, it's really like a win-win either way. It, 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 it's a win-win either way for Dan Snyder and the Washington Redskins. So I think you're out on the money. I think he's just go ahead and sign all three. And uh, Cream Hunt and Reuben Foster are not going to play this year. Uh, but you could bring in Colin Kaepernick to show what he can do in the last uh, this last month of the season, if you will. And uh, if he's not any good, then this puts this whole Colin Kaepernick thing to bed when they – when they release him for not being a good quarterback, so I think that'd be a win-win all the way around. And then they could they could save all the money that you're saving. They can hell. Uh, oh, we'll get your final thoughts on this uh, before we have to let you go. Uh, like a fox, uh, I I'm not a fan of Colin Kapatrick, and I'm certainly not a fan of Kareem Hunt. And here's the thing with with Kareem, and let, let me 
and I want to say this delicately, there's no excuse to ever put your hands on a woman. I don't care who they are or how long you've known them. But this is a person that he only knew for a couple of hours. This might allude to being an assault, as if in a fight, maybe. I don't know that we want to call it domestic violence, and I'm sorry if I'm putting that label on domestic violence as to someone you've had a long relationship with. And it doesn't make it any worse or any, any – so he certainly created a bad light with the video. First of all, she was already down for the count, and to give, give her a, a kick uh, was just totally out of bounds. So let me just say, never, ever is there an excuse to hit a woman, but we're calling this uh, domestic violence. Should we be calling it something different? Mo, what are your thoughts on this whole scenario? I think we lost Mo. I knew he had to go. So, I'll go, anyway, I'll go, go ahead, Rick. Jump in on that. Uh, Jump in on that, Rick. The, the, the Kareem Hunt situation, anyway, should be more of an assault and battery and not domestic violence because I think he just met that, that girl like three hours before that video. Anyway, yeah, so that – I think you're right. Your domestic violence is something – that that's more of you're in a relationship, girlfriend, wife, uh, whatever it is. You've known somebody for over a period of time. But uh, in this situation, it's an assault and battery. It's just uh, against an – member of the opposite sex so that's should never happen anyway and it's just poor judgment all the way around uh if he's in pushing that 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 dude that was there and he got knocked into the girl uh that would be something different even just the, the push on, on the girl anyway uh maybe some people see that as you shouldn't put your hands on you know female anyway but maybe that's not as bad but it's that kick at the end is really what we're talking about here. So this is really more of a, an, an assault and battery. It's not domestic violence, but you could put it in, in the same label category, whatever it is, because it, it is against a female, and he's a world-class athlete. That sh- it should never happen for any man or woman anyway, uh, but this is an, an assault and battery. Yeah, let's let's please make everything very, very clear here. Uh, never, ever, ever... I don't care do you put a woman totally unacceptable. I'm just thinking about the way as a society do we look at things differently if it's called an assault as opposed to domestic violence. I hope he gets the needs. I really do. And as Mo said, he's gonna get signed by somebody. Somebody's gonna get an opportunity on him and, and hopefully he's he's learned the errors of his ways and this is something that he can put behind him. I'm sure that the 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 girl is going to be looking for a nice paycheck coming soon, and this will all go away. And maybe we should not be so quick to dismiss it. Maybe he shouldn't get resigned. Maybe Colin Kapatrick couldn't get should get resigned. Uh, but as you as you said, Rick uh, Snyder signing these guys. If you want to look at it from the business decision, that's a very good business decision to make. Yeah, I think so, because it puts the Colin Kaepernick thing to bed either way. He's overseeing the starting quarterback role and whatever money that would be. If Colin Kaepernick turns that down, Dan Snyder could say, hey, I offered him this. He could have been starting quarterback. He turned it down. So that puts Colin Kaepernick to bed that way. If he does end up uh, taking the uh, starting job there in Washington, and uh, it's pretty terrible because he hasn't played in a long time. And then they release him after you know this last month. That also puts the uh, Kaepernick thing to bed. Or 
maybe by chance uh, he plays really good, gets them some wins, and bring him back in next year. He plays good, and then they end up getting a good quarterback out of it. So, I, but with the whole uh, still kneeling for the national anthem thing, and you know that's kind of gone away. If you if that starts being an issue again, I don't know if that outweighs. Uh, his play on the field, you know, if he ends up being a good quarterback or not, that's a question we don't know. But uh, he's got to offer the uh, the job to him first. So I, I think it's a win-win either way. And if he ends up being a good quarterback, then you handle whatever else uh, comes with it. Well, one would hope, as much as he's been uh, preaching from the uh, mountaintops, that he wants to be back in the NFL and that the NFL has not given him the opportunity. One would hope that he's been taking the appropriate measures to stay in shape uh, and and to stay at, a, at an elite skill level. Because, like you said, if, if, if they sign him and he comes in and he flops, well, there you go. The Colin Kilpatrick uh, story, it comes to an end. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. We're standing by for Mo from the BS Sports Show. Rick Riggin, uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the Army-Navy game today. We never did really get your official pick we, uh, on it, uh, but uh, and, and, uh, Ed is joining us now. Ed Kratz, how are you, sir? Good morning, guys. How's everybody? Hey. hey Good morning, we, Ed. We were just... We were talking earlier on the show about the Army-Navy game right there in your backyard. What are your thoughts on Army-Navy? Well, you know, it's actually it's a, it's a privilege for Philadelphia to host it most years, obviously. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a tradition, really. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it should be a good day for a game. The sun's shining. There were some snow flurries earlier, but, uh, you know, Army's coming in. I think they're a touchdown favorite in this game, and I think they've won the last two, uh, so we'll see if Army can make it three in a row. Ed, uh, we're, we'll get this uh, comment from you before we got to let Rick go, and we'll get into our NFL talk. Uh, but we're, this is on the NFL conversation, and we called the show today, Call Me Crazy. Here's a, a crazy scenario. Uh, Washington Redskins need a quarterback. Colin Kilpatrick needs a job. Uh, Kareem Hunt needs a job. Uh First of all, and do we call Kareem Hunt's incident assault, or do we call it domestic violence? Because I think that the NFL looks at things a little bit differently depending on what you call it. But we were talking about the scenario that, you know, Snyder can come in and, and, and make a good deal to both Colin Kilpatrick and Kareem Hunt, give them both second chances. We made jokes about it last week, but the thing about it behind every joke is some truth in reality. Are we crazy for thinking that this is a good deal for all parties involved, especially if you're the Washington Redskins, Colt McCoy? We we, we were quick to judge, uh, uh, put him up there against uh, uh, being one of the best uh, backup quarterbacks, and then uh, obviously uh, that gruesome uh, uh, injury to his leg uh, needs the Redskins needing a quarterback. They, 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 they bring in and they bring in uh, Kirkpatrick and to me, crazy like a fox. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I hope uh, Colin Kaepernick doesn't get a job because uh, oh, maybe he does. Dang it. <laughs> oh, I always mess it up. Oh, I, I should just say Colin. I should just say Colin. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. Just him, You're right. Just call him Cap. Just call him Cap. Cap. There we go. There we go. Cap. That's yeah. what we'll start calling. Three-letter word. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, I, I put this out on Twitter earlier in the week and, you know, people got back to me about it. And, uh, I, you know, I wonder if Kirk Pat or Capper, what the old Capper? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ryan Reagan was the old Gipper. We'll call, call him the old Capper. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I put out on Twitter, I wonder if Kaepernick still wants to play. I mean, I know his agent has kind of put it out there that, yeah, he wants to play. and But, you know, we haven't heard from Kaepernick. I wonder, does he still want to play, or does he is he happy in his role as kind of a, you know, not a martyr, but kind of the face of this social reform that he started within the NFL and society and uh, by kneeling at the National Anthem a couple of years ago? I you know, I'm not sure he's too eager to jump back into the game. I, I wonder if he's just happy with uh, being the face of this reform movement that he kind of started. So I'm not sure. I know Washington came out and said they didn't want to sign him. They have their reasons for not wanting to do that. They need a quarterback for sure. I, I mean, how many games are you going to win with Mark Sanchez here over the final month of the season? Um, you know, he, he does what he does best against Philadelphia on Monday night. He threw an interception that kind of sealed the game for the Eagles. Uh, in the fourth quarter, so you're not going to win many games with him. I don't. I'm not even sure have they announced that they signed a backup. I haven't heard uh, if they signed someone yet to back him up. But uh, you know, the Eagles have Nate Sudfeld on their roster, who they sort of poached from the Redskins a couple years ago. The kid from Indiana. Um, you know, the, the Redskins released him a couple years ago. They were hoping to put him on the practice squad, but the Eagles got him, and now they're probably regretting that decision because Nate Sudfeld would be a whole lot better obviously to Mark Sanchez, but they're not going to sign Colin Kaepernick. And, uh, you know, they did sign the linebacker, Ruben Foster. Um, I'm not sure he's going to play, but they kind of put themselves out there by doing that. So all of a sudden now you look at the Redskins as maybe signing Kareem Hunt. Um, but I'm not sure they're going to do that. I mean, Kareem Hunt still has to serve his penalty of, I think it was six games, maybe more. And I'll think the NFL has come out uh, with any kind of firm suspension uh, on him yet, but it's a mandatory six games for what he did. So, you know, that brings you into next year. So there's really no rush. I don't think to sign Kareem Hunt, if you're on the NFL team. Uh, so I don't think the Redskins will sign him either. I think Kareem Hunt goes into the off season sitting where he is right now, which is kind of on the sidelines without a team. Well, guys, we've got to take a break. We're over. Uh, Rick, I know you got to go. Uh, but uh, uh, Rick, do you have any final thoughts on the Heisman the army Navy game or anything? Yeah, uh, Army's going to win today. Uh, Kyler Murray's going to win today. And uh, Dan Snyder will win the NAACP award if you sign Kaepernick, Kareem Hunt, <laughs> and Ricky Paul <laughs> <all> together. So. I don't think that would be a bad deal, honestly. They, I, I don't know. Ed's probably right. Kaepernick probably is happier being the face of the uh, movement and really not looking into being a, a quarterback now after being out of the game for a couple of years. So I, I think that's probably a smart – in the Kaepernick camp to not come back. But, uh, you know, it will put it to bed. If he came back and he didn't play very well, they could just release him. So, All right, Rick, we'll catch up with you soon, buddy. You have yourself a good right, weekend. Have a good day, guys. All right, See you, bye, Rick. Rick. See ya. My name is Tom Marcus, 917-889-8516 is our ditches. We'll be back with Ed Kratz. We'll get knee-deep in this NFL talk as we go into week 13. Is that an unlucky number or a lucky number? We're about to find out. I Don't look too hard, might hurt yourself. Know that you're the color red, the blue. Shit. I'm a dangerous man with some money in my pocket. Keep up. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. All right, welcome back to the balance. My name is Sean Mark Michelle Presidente. A little bit more than an hour in the books, and we still got some time on the clock. Going to get into this NFL talk. Thanks to Rick Riggin, executive producer of The Balance, for joining us. Uh, talking some college football. Obviously, Army-Navy game today. Go Army! A uh, huge, huge rivalry, and, and it means a lot more than just uh, a football game as we got into. And, of course, we got into the Heisman Trophy talk, uh, which is today a lot of people have the, the feeling that it's going to be a sooner-than-later uh, Heisman candidate. Joining us now, Ed Kratz, our official uh, NFL contributor. And I don't have my cue sheet up to read because that's how I get right every week. But beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles for the best website that I don't have here in front of me. And I'll let him tell us. <laughs> Ed Kratz, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tom. Yeah, that website is the uh, it's uh, footballmaven.io. I O slash Eagles football maven dot I O slash Eagles. And my Twitter is at Kratzy K R A C Z E. I tell you what, you did it much better than I ever could, uh, could ever do it. <laughs> are you, are you ready for Christmas? You getting all your Christmas shopping done, sir? Uh, you know what I got? I, not really. No, <laughs> I haven't had a whole lot of time to do much of that, but, uh, you know, I, I tend to work better under pressure. So as the as the days tick away here, I'm sure I'll, uh, you know, throw myself out into the mall and get in the <laughs> Christmas spirit. <laughs> well, the the great thing about Amazon 
Amazon. We are good friends on the holidays. So uh, Amazon helps me out a lot. So, But did get in a holiday <laughs> spirit this week. Uh, uh, me and my lady went to go see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which I recommend to anybody if you've never seen them. They give a great show. And then we went to probably one of the best restaurants in the city of Indianapolis called The Salt. And uh, if you love seafood, come to Indianapolis. Weird, weird to say. So here's the thing, Ed. They don't even have a freezer there. And they fly in all of their seafood daily, and they keep it packed on ice. The best sea yeah, bath wow. ever. Come, come to Indianapolis. Go to The Salt. I'm going to hit them up for some advertising money. Uh, go to the salt. <laughs> Great date place and uh, uh, have their sea bass. Yeah. The I best, the brother. Pic- I think the best. put a picture out there. I think you put I a picture out there of your plate. Yeah, and it, lo- it looked yeah. really scrumptious. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, good stuff there. Um, and and I, it is I, strange. I scored- there's, not a, there's not an ocean within miles of Indianapolis, so. You know, no. they do, they, it's great if they fly it in and they keep it on ice. That's terrific. It keeps it nice and fresh. Well, the owner is from southern Florida. I don't know how he ended up in Indianapolis, but he's here. And he's, he's like, definitely a real seafood. And plus, hey, I scored points. I had a, I, I, it was a great date night. So what do you, what do, you do, man? I, I, I tell you what. I, I'm like the Philadelphia Eagles. They're, they're getting off their, their, <laughs> Their hangover, their their Super Bowl hangover. Let's talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles. Nice win to you guys, uh, and uh, hats off. Hopefully the Colts can follow suit. Uh, uh, I think we can we can do each other some favors. But uh, uh, what what are your thoughts uh, on the Eagles? They they seem to have turned the leaf, if you will, and have they found their way? We think so. I don't know, but certainly they're still in. Uh, they're they're not disqualified yet, Ed. Talk with us a little bit about your Philadelphia Eagles, week number 13. Well, huge game here coming up uh, in Big D on Sunday at 425. I think it's the game of the week. So, uh, you know, people uh, across the country should be able to see that one. Uh, And it's a battle for first place in the NFC East. It's a game that the Eagles need to win. Uh, Obviously, if they don't, then it looks like this is going to be Dallas's division because their schedule is not the toughest uh, coming out of this game. Um, they do have to go to Indy, which would be terrific if uh, the, the Colts could find a way to knock off the Cowboys. Um, but I think if the Cowboys win this, that gives them a two-game cushion on the Eagles, and that would put the Eagles pretty much uh, trying to get a wild card, which isn't, you know, isn't impossible. But really, they need, they've won two games for the first time this season when they won last week. So uh, you know, they haven't been able to build up any momentum. So a loss this week kind of feels like the end for the Eagles. Uh, while it would launch the Cowboys, I think, for the title. So, must-win game, no question about it. There was some trash talk earlier this this week uh, when the linebacker for the Eagles, Kamu Grigier-Hill, came out and called Dallas chokers. He goes, you know, Dallas, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to choke. We're going to go to Dallas, and we're going to make them choke. And, you know, Dak Prescott said, you know, he didn't even know who Kamu Grigier-Hill was, and he said who, and, uh, you know, he, he, he responded to that. So that gave the Cowboys a little bulletin board material, and Doug Peterson wasn't real happy with it. Kamu Grugier-Hill sort of apologized uh, to Doug Peterson for coming out and saying something like that, as harsh as that is. You know, they, there's no need to give another team uh, momentum at this time of year. But it's a big game in the NFC East. The Eagles are used to playing big games in the division. 
uh, and on the national stage, having made that run to the Super Bowl. So I think it's going to be a real good game. I think it's going to be a real close game, and uh, I, I, I'm not sure who's going to win. I, I would say the Eagles might win this game, but um, they've been so hard to predict all year. It's just hard to figure out which team is going to show up if you're Philadelphia. Well, let's kind of go through this playoff picture as we get as things are starting to take shape. We saw the Colts last week uh, just get dismantled, and well, dismantled is not the right word, but they got shut out, and, and shut out not by bad six zeros, not not the worst in the world. We've not had a score like that in forty four years against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I say that because they really kind of put. At the, the Colts put their season on in jeopardy by losing to a team that got beat 32-9 on Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to talk about with the AFC South because I do want to talk about the Colts and the Texans here in a minute, which is, which is tomorrow. But we saw the, the, the Tennessee Titans and the Jaguars are a nobody team. They thought they were going to be. They aren't anything what we thought they were going to be, but yet they beat the Colts. AFC South playoff picture. Texans seem to to uh, have uh, firm control over that. Uh, obviously, it's a must win for the Colts as well, but let's talk about that game on Thursday night. It was a nothing game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they just... Tennessee Titans are the same way. Uh, one week they're one way, the next week they're another way. So it's the AFC South outside the Texans has been an emotional roller coaster for all fans all year long. Yeah, you know we talked about the Eagles being a must-win game for them, and I think this is must-win for the Colts. They have to find a way uh, to beat a Texans team that I don't think has lost since September, right? I mean they've won nine in a nine, row. Nine um, in a row, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, they're going to have to find a way uh, to do that this week. Uh, and, and it's not going to be an easy task. I don't I don't really know how you, you can even explain how they were able to score zero points uh, against the Jaguars. I mean, I know, you know, the Jaguars' defense was very solid last year. Not so much this year. They were a team that really wasn't playing for anything at all. And for the Colts to come out and lay that kind of egg, I mean, you know, maybe you just chalk it up to, okay, it is, it's still kind of a young team. It's a team still trying to learn to win in a big pressure spot. I, I talked earlier about the Eagles knowing how to be in big games. They've played tough NFC East games before. You know, the Colts don't have that kind of uh, resume yet. You know, they haven't played big games in December within the division. So, you know, maybe you chalk it up to a learning experience, something that will benefit them next year. But, you know, they did have everything to play for this year. And, again, here's another must-win game. I really think they need to win if they don't. You know, they drop below 500. They're, they're a game behind the Titans still for the, you know, possible wild card spot. But you're right. I think this is the Texans division, whether they win this game tomorrow or not against the Colts. Um, and the Colts have to figure out how to do it. They have to go into a hostile environment in Houston and, and find a way to get that offense on track and learn how to play a big game. Hopefully they learned a lesson last week about what it takes to play in December and meaningful games and, uh, you hope for a better showing. I don't know if they'll be able to do it, but you just hope that they can keep it close and maybe maybe steal it at the end. Let's go to uh, tomorrow's game and start going through this. Look at the Panthers and the Browns. I mean, on paper, you think, okay, it's the Browns and the Panthers. But we look at how they've played. We look at how the Pan- – my son's a big uh, Panthers fan. Uh, my granddaughter is the biggest Panther fan in the world. But yeah. – 
they they are struggling and they go against the Browns who haven't really done anything exciting until recently. Baker Mayfield's starting to mold his way into there, and he's starting to become a leader with that team. And I think the, the Cleveland Browns, obviously not this year, but years to come, they're building that team around Baker Mayfield. And and you look at uh, the, the uh, Carolina Panthers, um, I'm, I'm not sure where to go with this game, but when you look at an, an NFC uh, team and an AFC team, uh, both struggling, uh, but the Browns are at home, so I'm going to go with the favor on that. What are your thoughts, the Panthers versus the Browns? Well, the Browns have sure, certainly shown a lot of life with the, you know, after getting rid of Hugh Jackson, and you know, oddly enough, the Bengals have kind of gone in the tank since bringing Hugh Jackson onto their sideline. But uh, Panthers, boy, they look like a team that was ready to, you know, challenge for that NFC South with the Saints. Uh, I believe they were six and two or six and three at one point, but they've gone one and four in their last five games, and now they're they're at six and six, and you know they're not going to win the division that much for sure. Now they have to find out if they can get in as a wild card team. Uh, you know they haven't looked like one lately, so yeah, this could be a game that the Browns who aren't playing for anything. You know they're not going to be in the playoffs, but they're playing for you know next year. They're playing for a possible. Uh, new head coach. A new head coach would look at that team and say, you know, there's talent on that sideline. Uh, if they commit to me, then, you know, maybe we can turn this thing around. So I think there's a lot more optimism in Cleveland than there is right now in Carolina. So, and that, and that game is in Cleveland. Uh, you know, we've seen Cleveland play very tough at home most of the season. So, you know, the Panthers are going to have their hands full to try to stop this little losing streak that they're on. Um, and again, I go back to the Eagles. I mean, the Browns, the Eagles, Philadelphia fans will be rooting for the Browns. Uh, to win this game because then that would put, you know, the Panthers at six and seven and, and keep the Eagles wild card hopes still alive. Should they find a way to beat Dallas? And then the following week, they have to go to the Rams. The Eagles do. So, uh, you know, the Eagles need some help uh, to, from other teams and the Browns could, you know, kind of be that lifeline if they were to find a way to beat the Panthers. Well, the the Ravens uh, go to Kansas City. Kansas City is probably one of the toughest home stadiums uh, for a road team to come and visit uh, out there. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs has had a great year. Uh, we'll see how the loss of Kareem Hunt is, is going to be a factor in this. Uh, but we need some help. The Indianapolis Colts need some help uh, from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs as, as we try to stay alive uh, in the AFC South and try to stay alive in that wild card hunt. Uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs, I like to think that the Chiefs uh, uh, w- w- will help out the Indianapolis Colts this weekend. Yeah, you know the, the the Ravens are trying to stay alive in the in the wild card spot, like you said, and that you know a loss today would certainly help, or tomorrow rather would certainly help the Colts. And you know the Chiefs, they're they're ten and two, and they're trying to uh, you know clinch the uh, home field advantage. But the Patriots are right behind them at nine and three, so you know they they need to win because I think the Patriots will have a, a pretty easy time of it against the Dolphins on Sunday. So you know the the Chiefs need to win and. Uh, I like though what the Ravens quarterback. Um, now I screwed his name up a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jackson, uh, Lamar Jackson, Jackson. Well, Lamar yeah, Jackson, Lamar. not Lamar Murray. Yes. Remember? No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what did I call him? I call him Levon Jackson. Or something? I know something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jamal. I called him Jamal. Jamal. Jackson. That's right. Jamal. Yeah. Yeah. Jamal Jackson, <laughs> as opposed to the NFL player. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. So yeah, Lamar. I like Lamar Jackson. I I like what he's done with the Ravens. I, you know, I they've been conservative on offense, but that's because their defense has kind of played pretty well and uh, has allowed that offense to kind of operate at a conservative level. They haven't asked uh, Lamar Jackson to do too much. Um, I think it's going to be a terrific game. I, I, you know, it's it's interesting. The Chiefs didn't really seem to be phased last week when they played their first game without Kareem Hunt, but. You wonder over the long haul how that's going to uh, impact this team. Uh, you know, they still have plenty of weapons, obviously, but, you, you know, you, you wonder how long they can continue to uh, win without Kareem Hunt. I know they signed Kelvin Benjamin to a one-year contract, but, you know, Benjamin certainly didn't impress anybody uh, with the Panthers and then with the Bills who just released him. So, you know, I'm not sure he's the answer, but this late in the season, you kind of take what you can get. Benjamin was the best thing out there, but he's no uh, Kareem Hunt. So uh, it'll be just interesting to see how the Chiefs kind of manage their way through this um, without Hunt and against a very good defense in the Ravens. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. We talked briefly a little bit about the Colts and the Texans. This is a must-win for the Indianapolis Colts. But the good thing, yeah. if we want to, if we want to go on the side of, of history, if we want to go on the side of, uh, sometimes teams have a mental block. We have the same thing against the Patriots. Uh, I think that the, the Houston's have, the Texans have a have a mental block against the Colts. We always seem to do well uh, against the Texans. Uh, the, when I say we, I always when I say we, I always refer to the Colts. But the Colts are. <laughs> um, Seem to do well against the Texans. The Texans seem to have some sort of a mental block, but my gosh, uh, they are unstoppable. Let's let's look at both sides of of the line. They've they've got a quarterback that is just probably one of the best in the league. They got one of the best wide receivers in the league, uh, but at the same time, we have. I think one would argue that the Indianapolis Colts. Have a great defense. We could win this game on the road, and this will keep our playoff uh, hopes alive, obviously with the help of Kansas City and a lot of other factors. The unfortunate thing is no, uh, the Colts no longer control their own destiny. Other people control their destiny. So they have to win tomorrow at Houston. Yeah, and you know maybe playing on the road for a team like the Colts maybe takes a little of that pressure off. You know, you're going on the road where you're the underdog rather than being at home as a favorite and you come out and you lay that kind of egg. And so, you know, maybe getting away from Indianapolis will help the Colts going down to Houston. And I, is this? I think this is the first meeting between the two teams this year, isn't it? I don't. I don't remember them first playing. First time. No, no, no. Remember? No, 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 no. <laughs> How could you forget? Remember we we played earlier <laughs> on in the year, and uh, Frank Reich decided not to go for the for the tie, and we oh, lost. Right. That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> which may, which one might argue may come back to haunt us here at the end of the year. We shall see. But you never know. People assume that it would have been a tie, and there may not have been a tie. You know, I think Frank right. Reich made a good decision on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. I, I don't have any problem with the aggression there. And maybe, you know, in those situations you can question a play call, but I have no problem with that. Um, you know, but now it's a revenge game. And, and, and you know, that maybe that helps the Colts too. As they go down there with revenge, they go down there kind of feeling a little looser. They're on the road, an underdog, and, you know, in December. Uh, and they get down there and they give the Texans a game. I mean, are the Texans going to win out? You know, it just doesn't seem likely to me that they're going to close the season on whatever it would be, a 14-game winning streak. I'm not sure they can do that. Or what would it be, a 13-game winning streak, I guess. 
I mean, it's doable, but I just don't see it happening. So they're going to lose somewhere along the way. And, you know, maybe this is the, the, the time of the year that they do it. Maybe the Colts find a way uh, to get this done. You mentioned that mental block, and, you know, you're right. Sometimes that can get into a team's head and, uh, and affect them. So, you know, it's gonna, I think, it, you know, I think the Colts have a shot in this game. I think the Texans are going to lose somewhere along this line, and maybe it's a division game against Indianapolis. In a game that, you know, the Texans want to win, of course, but within the division it doesn't mean much because it seems to me they already have that wrapped up. Well, at the beginning of the year, if you remember, I said I feel like the Indianapolis Colts can win nine games. I still think that can happen. So um, I feel yeah. my, my, finger, my, my, my fingers are crossed, and, and I know that, uh, that the Eagles fans are going to be rooting uh, for the Colts as well. We talked about the Patriots. Having a little bit of a struggle this year, we might be seeing some change in in, in the uh, the regime in New England at the end of this year. Uh, of course, nobody's going to say that publicly, but certainly they're saying it privately, and you could hear the whispers getting louder and louder uh, about uh, uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Uh, one of them's going to retire. Somebody's got to go. If not this year, next year, uh, the whispers are getting louder and louder. Uh, just like we were, we're beginning to whisper about Urban Meyer, we're beginning to whisper about Bill Belichick. And I have a feeling that Tom Brady would win out on that, but I'm not sure. Uh, would uh, certainly uh, be the final decision on that. If they, they each get to make their own mind up. But I think that we're seeing an end to a a legend, if you will, uh, as far as a quarterback coaching spot, the Patriots and the Dolphins. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I th- you, you wonder had the, the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year uh, against the Eagles if we would have seen Belichick retire then. I think, you know, because there were the same whispers last year, you know, with the, with this organization and uh, I just wonder, had they won that Super Bowl, if Belichick wouldn't decide, hey, I'm going out, I'm going to go out on top and retire. I, I'm not sure Tom Brady's ready to step down. I think he's going to hang on to the bitter end until, you know, his game kind of falls off the face of the cliff or he suffers an injury. But um, So, to me, it would be kind of Belichick, I think, that would go. Uh, and, and then we'll see who, you know, how Tom Brady does with a new coach. I'm not sure both of them would ride into the sunset, but – uh, you know, the Patriots, you, you can't discount them. They, they could be back in the Super Bowl again this year, and if they win it, then I think Belichick is definitely gone. But, uh, you know, they certainly have a good chance. I mean, they're 9-3. and three. They're still in contention for that home field advantage, which would be huge for them to have, you know, every game come through Foxborough. But, uh, you know, they, they, they're in a pretty good position right now to, to win the, you know, to get back to the Super Bowl anyway. I, I wouldn't count them out at all. Um, and if they do, then maybe Belichick goes. I'm not sure if they – you know, come up a game short if they lose in the AFC championship game or the, the step before that, if Belichick would go, um, yeah, you know, it's just so hard to say. I mean, we heard these whispers last year and nothing happened. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. I'm, I'm not convinced that anything would happen if they fall short of their ultimate goal, which is to win the Super Bowl. But if they win the Super Bowl, I think Belichick's gone. But I think Brady comes back and keeps playing. Well, whispers turned into a yell in Green Bay. Mike McCarthy gone out. See ya. Uh, yeah. So now you got Green. I don't know which is more the attractive uh, coaching position right now, the Green Bay Packers or the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but uh, the the Packers in the interim have Phil Bum. I think is how you say his name. Uh, I think I'm probably screwing that Phil, name up too. Phil so Philbin. Yeah. Okay. 
Phil, I mean, it was yeah, Phil, Phil Baum or Phil Baum or something. Uh, of course, they've got the Falcons at home. Uh, Green Bay is really, really struggling. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers because, you know, he he's Aaron Rodgers. He's a Tom Brady. He's he's one of the superstars in the league. And, unfortunately, he's the, the captain of the team. And everything, everything falls on him, if you will. And they, they decided to part ways with Mike McCarthy, first of all. Probably a good decision. I, I was kind of shocked they didn't let it go to, till the end of the season, and and then on on Black Sunday or Black Monday, if you will, uh, they would decide to go their separate ways. And I think we talked about numerous times that Mike McCarthy was not going to be around next year. But that loss to the Redskins, they're like, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. We're just not going to do this anymore. So Green Bay fires Mike McCarthy. Uh, but Green Bay's struggling, and they've got a the Falcons coming to town. The Dirty Birds uh, are doing are checking off some boxes. Yeah, uh, well, they're you know I think both these franchises have kind of fallen on hard times. This was a this was a game back when the schedule came out. You think, well, this is going to be a great game. You know, these are two teams that you know could be playoff teams. They could be one of them could be in the Super Bowl. I mean. Uh, it just hasn't happened for either of them. I, neither one of them is going to play in the postseason. Um, so, you know, what do you look at? You look at Joe Philbin coming in the first game since McCarthy got canned, uh, and, and maybe that rejuvenates Rodgers. And he comes in and they, you know, the Packers play a good game. You know, we saw what a coaching change did in Cleveland. I think that kind of gave the Browns a little bit of a spark. So maybe, you know, maybe it sparks Aaron Rodgers and this team to, uh, you know, to come out and play better than what they've shown or showed under McCarthy, uh, you know, the Falcons to me, they've been a big disappointment. I know they've had some injuries, but you know, they haven't had any depth to kind of step in and help them. And they're terrible against the run. So, you know, maybe Joe Philbin comes out and tries to establish the run with Aaron Jones uh, running the ball, or maybe he has Aaron Rodgers throw it 45 times a game. But I, I think the Packers will find a way to win. It's a home game for them. I think they'll have a little bit more spark uh, after letting McCarthy go, uh, and they'll find a way to get this game done. And the Falcons, you know, they were in the Super Bowl just just a couple of years ago, and you know they really haven't, you know, been able to get back there since. And you know, part of it this year is injuries, but you know, part of it you wonder about Matt Ryan too. You know, everybody loves to call him Matty Ice, but you know, he hasn't played up to what he showed during that Super Bowl run either. So you know, this is a Falcons team that's really uh, has to kind of question what they're doing and what their foundation is as they head into the off season. We talk about every year. We talk about spoiler games that can that can create chaos for other teams, but have nothing to to lose as far as the the playoff position. You got two what I call spoiler teams, and that's the Giants and the Redskins. And the Redskins obviously created the 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 firing of Mike McCarthy. Uh, but uh, you've got the Giants who who are aren't doing it because they started in such a bad way. They are a spoiler team. The Redskins are a spoiler team. When we look at these two spoiler teams, uh, who has the most to who who will who will uh, suffer the most from a win or a loss between either one of these teams? Well, you know, I don't think the Giants want to hear about being the spoiler. I think they believe that you know they're at four and like four and eight right now. I think they probably feel like, hey, you know, we're kind of still in this thing. If the Eagles beat the Cowboys. Uh, and the Giants beat the Redskins. They're only two games out of first place with, what, three games left? Um, 
So, you know, I don't think they want to be called Splitter. I know it's a long shot, but I think the Giants are really uh, still playing for something. And the Redskins with Mark Sanchez as quarterback, I mean, gosh, I, I like I said earlier, I just don't know how they win another game. I mean, they're just he's just not a good enough quarterback uh, to lead a team to a victory consistently. So, uh, you know, I think the Redskins, what bad luck to have two quarterbacks suffer broken legs in, in a two-week span. I mean, that's just – you know, you, you kind of feel bad for them. I mean, they, they were, the, uh, you know, they were leading the NFC East before the injury to Alex Smith. And, and then they went with Colt McCoy, and he broke his leg. I, I mean, just really bad luck. And they had two injuries Monday night on their offensive line, both uh, to their guards that, you know, I don't know what their status is for Sunday either. So they've really been hit with injuries. I know you can say that about every team, but when you lose two quarterbacks to broken legs, you, you know, you got to wonder what the heck's going on. Uh, and then an interesting stat with the Redskins, and, you know, I wrote about this the week before the Eagles played them, is whoever scores first in games that Washington has played this year has gone on to win the game. It's a weird stat, but whoever has scored first in any Washington game has gone on to win. The opponents, if a, an opponent can score 17 more points against the Redskins, that team wins. The, the Redskins are 0-6 against teams that score 17 or more points against them. So that's the magic number. If the Giants can find a way to get to 17, they're probably going to win the game just based on that stat. And I think that the Giants will find a way to do that with Beckham and Barkley and, you know, Engram, the tight end. So I think the Giants will win. You know, I think the Redskins are kind of out of it. I think, you know, how can you not be deflated when you lose two quarterbacks to broken legs? At least you get the pity party, and it goes back to the capper. We'll see. We'll see what happens. There. <laughs> I'm not sure. At least you get the, the answer either. Uh, you know, I'm not sure the capper would be the answer. Speaking about quarterbacks and trying to find the answer, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers go against a very strong uh, New Orleans Saints, and one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Drew Brees. He's proven that, obviously, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> They move on from, from uh, Jamison Winston. Uh, they need to. <laughs> they had to magic, as I like to call him. Uh, and then in, 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 the middle, in the middle of the mix, you've got Ryan Griffin, who uh, is like a nobody. So they got to figure out their quarterback situation next year. The Saints should have an easy win on the road against the Buccaneers. Well, they shouldn't. They're coming off a loss, you know, in Dallas, and they only scored 10 points. I mean, that. You know, that's got to hurt a little bit, right? You've had 10 days to kind of simmer on that loss and, you know, wonder what the heck happened to an offense that was averaging, you know, 36 or 7 points a game, and then the Cowboys hold them to 10, you know. But that that just shows, you know, the the Saints are a different team outside that dome. And and they're going to Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, you know, another road game. Saints don't play as well typically on the road as they do in the dome. So, you know, I don't – you know, they – the Bucks might be able to hang with them for a while, but I don't think they're going to win this game by any means. I think that the Saints will come out and, you know, probably hang 30 on them and, uh, you know, keep keep their hope alive for, you know, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which right now belongs to the Rams. You know, they're a game ahead of uh, the Saints, um, maybe even two games if I'm if I'm thinking about that. I think the Saints have lost three I think three you're games. right, two games, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah. You know, they got to keep hope alive. And, you know, I don't think the Bucks will be too much of a threat as the game wears on. Like I said, they might be able to hang with them for a little bit. But, uh, no, the Saints are 10-2, and and the, and the Rams are 11-1. Uh, and, and one. So Yeah, they've lost um, one, yeah. 
Yeah, so so they're right there. They just you know they're two games uh, or they're one game behind the Rams for that home field. So they've got to keep winning and they've got to hope that somebody uh, does them a favor and finds a way to knock off the Rams, which I don't think is hard to do. The Lions gave the Rams a pretty good battle last week. Um, on the you know the Rams went on the road, so. Uh, you know, I don't think the Rams losing again is out of the realm of possibility. So the Saints just have to keep winning, and, you know, they're playing a team in the Bucks that I think is kind of maybe packed it in a little bit too. They're really not playing for much. They're 5-7. and seven. Maybe they have an outside shot at a wild card spot, but uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for them. Let's go back to the spoiler teams. We've got the Jets and the Bills. Uh, I mean, these both of these teams are spoiler teams, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, uh, but the Bills have – been mediocre at the best and what do they say either be really bad or be really good but don't be mediocre and that's that, that's that describes right. both the jets and the bills but the jets are are uh going upstate uh to play the bills and you know the weather may play to the advantage of the bills there uh this weekend i think they're expecting a significant amount of snow if i read that right but either which way the jets and the bills are going to be a spoiler to somebody yeah, but right now it doesn't matter to either of those teams. They're both officially eliminated, I believe. Neither one of them has mm-hmm. any hope of uh, of making the playoffs. So, uh, you know, to me, I think the Jets are probably going to fire Todd Bowles at the end of the year. Um, you know, they're sitting at three and nine. They, you know, they showed some spark early. I think they won their first two games, and they they just, you know, they look terrible. I think they've lost six in a row. Um, just not good. And the Bills, you know, they have the new coach in McDermott. I think this is his second year. Um, so they're not, he's, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I'd be surprised if they gave up on him. I mean, they, they really need Josh Allen to just keep developing and, and the Jets need Darnold to keep developing. Really. That's all, you know, these teams have left is try to get their quarterbacks better and more prepared heading into the 2019 season. Um, so this game today means a little, but, you know, looking long-term, yeah, they could, they could play a factor within the division. Um, I, I just don't, you know, I just don't see it. I don't think either of these teams are, are that good. We're talking with Ed Kratz, our official uh, contributor uh, to the to the Balance NFL contributor and beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's break down the X's and O's of tomorrow afternoon. You and the Cowboys, I would say, very as we mentioned earlier, very much a must win for you. Uh, we hope that you win, uh, and we hope that we win tomorrow and next week. That's going to put both of us in a very good situation. Uh, but let's break it down. The X's and the O's. The Eagles are on, on the road in Dallas. Yeah, they they got to find, the Eagles have to find a way to stop Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, Elliott, you know, he really tore them up uh, in the meeting just a couple weeks ago here in Philadelphia. Uh, he had 151 yards on the ground rushing, and he had another 36 through the air receiving. He had two touchdowns. Um, you know, they, they have to find a way to stop him. And the Eagles haven't really been uh, terrific against the run uh, when they face an elite running back. Look at, you know, Adrian Peterson in that Monday night game went 90 yards uh, for a touchdown against that defense. It was the longest run ever that any Eagles defense in their history uh, has ever given up from scrimmage. The, the longest run previous to that came in 1960. Uh, when a a guy from the Steelers named John Henry Johnson went 87 yards against them. So uh, not a very good look for that defense against the run. Now, they did a better job against Peterson. Uh, They didn't give up 100 yards to him, but the Redskins, for some reason, stopped running the ball against them, Uh, even though the game was close. It was a one-point game through the third quarter, and the Redskins just weren't running the ball. They were trying to throw it with Mark Sanchez, which was a mystery to me. But 
they're going to face a Cowboys team that's not going to give up on the run. They're going to keep pounding Elliott. And, you know, if the Eagles can't stop him, they're going to lose this game. Uh, pretty simple. The Saints were able to hold Elliott to just 73 yards, I think it was, or 75 yards when they uh, held the Cowboys to just 13 points. Uh, and that was enough for the Cowboys to beat the Saints. But, you know, the Saints defense played well. They kind of gave a blueprint on how to limit that Dallas offense, and that's to stop Elliott. Uh, if the Eagles can do that, they will win. If they can't, they'll lose. Um, on the other side of the ball, you know, the Eagles have to find a way to move the ball with Carson Wentz. You know, Golden Tate uh, has kind of settled into uh, a role for him. It looked when they first acquired him that they were sort of uh, forcing the ball, ball to him, trying to give him targets. But, uh, he had his best game as an Eagle against Washington. He had 85 yards receiving. He caught a touchdown pass. He caught a two-point conversion pass. Showed some uh, run-after-the-catch ability, which is his hallmark, something we hadn't seen in Philadelphia from Tate since being acquired. But Monday night we saw it. You know, he made yards after the catch. And uh, I think he's fitting more seamlessly into this offense. And then, you know, you look at the season tight end Zach Ertz is having. He's got 93 catches. He's on pace to become just the uh, fourth tight end in NFL history to catch a hundred passes. You know, the, the most that have been caught by a tight end in NFL history was Jason Witten who had 110. Uh, I think that was in the 2012 season, but that's, that's kind of the hallmark. And I think Ertz can achieve that. He needs to average, I think four and a half catches per game, uh, which he's certainly capable of doing. So you could be looking at one of the best tight end seasons ever uh, with Zach Ertz. Um, and the Eagles will find a way to get him the ball as well. You know, he's a big playmaker, uh, very good on third down, being able to find a, a, an opening downfield to get open, and Wentz is very comfortable finding him. So, uh, you know, the Eagles are going to have to work that formula. But even more importantly, the Eagles are going to have to run the ball themselves. And maybe that's one way you stop Elliott, by keeping him parked on the sidelines if you're able to control the ball a little bit. Josh Adams, the undrafted uh, rookie free agent running back from Notre Dame, He's gotten a, a much larger role these last few weeks. He's carried the ball 22 times two weeks ago, 20 times last week. Uh, when the Eagles played the Cowboys the last time, they only had 70 yards on the ground, and Josh Adams only had seven carries. So uh, I think he has kind of emerged as, a, as the, the workhorse back in this backfield, and they have to be able to run the ball. And, and I would expect that they're going to try to get him the ball another 20 times and, and hope he can go for another 80-plus yards, which he's done. The last two weeks, he had 84 yards and then 85 yards. So that's kind of going to be the key for the Eagles is being able to run the ball effectively to make Zach Ertz and Golden Tate a little bit more effective for Carson Wentz uh, and and keep Elliott on the sideline. So we only got a few more minutes here, and so I want to just kind of talk about how these uh, playoff pitchers are, are, are playing out, playing out, and talk about some some scenarios. Obviously, we we. We've would be shocked the world would come to an end if, if the Raiders beat the Steelers. Uh, and then you got the Lions and the Cardinals, nothing there. The Rams and the Bears, maybe something there. Maybe. That, that, that certainly is a game to, 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 to look at. And you look at the struggling uh, Vikings against the Seahawks, and then we look at the overall playoff picture. So let's start running through some uh, scenarios. As you see the NFC playoff picture unfold, obviously we want to see the Eagles there. So I'm sure that you want to create a scenario that they're in there. But let's, let's look at the realistic scenarios of the playoff pictures for both the NFC and the AFC. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, um, you know, I guess we can start with the NFC. Uh, Seattle and, and, and Minnesota, that's, that's a big game. Um, both these teams need to win to keep their playoff, uh, you know, their wild card chances uh, alive. 
Um, you know, right now you look at the top two seeds in the NFC, and it's, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Rams and the Saints, clearly they're going to be the teams with the bye. Uh, you know, and then the Bears, you know, the Bears are sitting there with eight wins. They're probably going to win that division. They're going to get in. Uh, and you don't know about the NFC East. Uh, who's going to win that division? So, uh, you know, it, it's still way up in the air. There's still teams, too many teams, really, that are still alive for a while. <laughs> um, but but that's what kind of makes it exciting, right? You know, December football is the most important time of the year to be playing well. And I like the way the Eagles have kind of won two in a row. They're building some momentum. The Panthers, they've lost several games. Uh, I don't like the way they're playing the Vikings. The Vikings have kind of been up and down. And I know there's been some you know, words exchanged between the head coach, Mike Zimmer, and his offensive coordinator, John Filippo about, uh, you know, how that offense is being managed. I think they scored 10 points in losing uh, to the Patriots last week. So, uh, you know, the Giants, to me, or I'm sorry, the Vikings, they, they need to, uh, you know, they need to find a way to stay together and, uh, and, and try to win some games because they're not out of this. But, you know, the Seahawks at 7-5, and five, they're right there for a wild card. They're leading the wild card chase right now. Um, and so, you know, obviously you got to keep an eye on them. And um, they play uh, – who, who do they play? The uh, the Seahawks? They play the Vikings. The Seahawks, yeah, so that, yeah. That's, that's kind of a – yeah, that's kind of a knockout. You know, that could be a knockout game. And it's up in Seattle where the Seahawks usually play tough. So, um, you know, the Vikings really need a win to, to stay in this thing. But the Seahawks, to me, they're kind of a dark horse in this thing. They could be a very dangerous wild card team. Um, and, and kudos to – Pete Carroll because this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, but they're sitting at seven and five. Um, and then when you and then when you look at the AFC, you know obviously the Chiefs, right, and uh, the uh, the Patriots. They're they're right there. They're, those are two teams that are battling for uh, you know that number one seed. As are the Texans at nine and three. They're right in the mix. And then the Chargers, who went on the road and beat the Steelers last week. Uh, they're at nine and three. So, you know, that, that's still kind of wide open. Who's going to get those two buys. You would think it's going to be the chiefs and the Patriots, but you can't discount the Texans and the chargers. You hope the Colts can make a dent in the Texans hopes for doing that by winning tomorrow. Yes. But, uh, but, but, you Positive know, thought. <laughs> I know. Karma. yeah, right. I, and, and they, they can, I mean, I, like I said, I don't think the Texans are going to win out. I think they're going to stumble uh, somewhere along the way here, and maybe it's against the Colts. But the Colts are still there. They just have to keep winning games and get some help in other places. They have to hope, you know, teams like the Ravens lose or the Steelers because they're still battling for that uh, first place in the uh, in that division. And then, uh, you know, the Titans, they've already won. So, you know, they're sitting home this weekend and, and watching the results. But they have seven wins. So uh, you need to get to probably, like you said, nine wins would certainly do it for the Colts, I think, to get in. And that that was your prediction at the start. Yeah, it was a great prediction. I, I wouldn't have predicted that, but – but uh, <laughs> but that's looking like it could happen. It very well could happen. So, you know, the AFC is a little muddled even at the top. You know, it's a little more muddled, I think, in the AFC than the NFC at the top where, you know, the NFC you have the Rams and the, and the Saints, but the AFC, the Chiefs, Patriots, Texans, Chargers, all still alive for, you know, that first – those first two seeds and a bye. So um, it's that's what makes the NFL great. Here we are in December. We don't know what's going to happen yet. And, uh, everybody keeps tuning in. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor. Ed, I appreciate you uh, joining us and coming on. We've only got uh, just a few minutes uh, left in the show. So real quickly, who wins Army-Navy and who wins the Heisman Day? Uh, well, I'm going to 
to pick Navy in an upset. Uh, I know you don't want to hear that. You're an Army guy. Um, I know. And uh, you know what? Army's good. I mean, it, it, remember early in the season, they they went to Oklahoma. They were ranked. They were ranked, too, by the way. Yeah. They took Oklahoma to overtime. I mean, I, come on. I mean, look at uh, and Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, they're good. And Army took yeah. them and lost. But. Uh, but I just think the reason why I say maybe an upset is because, first of all, it's Army-Navy, right? Uh, you know, both teams are going to be fired up, obviously. But, you know, this is it for Navy. This is their bowl game. They've had a very rare losing season. Um, there's nothing left for them after this. Whereas Army still has that bowl game. They're, they're in the military bowl. You know, they still have that carrot hanging out there. So, for Navy, this is their bowl game. They have to get up and they have to find a way to win this game. Uh, and beat Army, and I and I think that you know I think they will. If if they don't, I think they're going to come close. I think the spread is six or seven points. I would think Navy uh, can play to within that spread and maybe win the game. I'm I'm going to pick Navy uh, in, in an upset. Uh, and I hate to do it, Tom. I know you're you love <laughs> uh, looking for you're that fired. I think Navy's going to find a way. I really do. Um, my the thing is, I wish I could watch that game. Unfortunately, I'm going to uh, college basketball doubleheader today in New Jersey to with a friend of mine. Um, so we're going to watch Clemson and uh, Mississippi State and Florida State oh, yeah. play uh, at the Prudential Center in New Jersey. So uh, I'm not going to be able to see that game. I really I, I thought about taping it, but you know what? I'm going to probably be following it on Twitter, and you know, you know, I don't think I'll have the discipline to not uh, check in on that score. So. Um, <laughs> I won't be DVRing, but uh, uh, I'll keep, I, I'll keep that, you posted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be well. I follow you, so I'll be looking. Um, and then what was oh the Heisman Trophy? I, I think it's going to be Kyler Murray. I think everybody kind of yeah. thinks that. Um, you know, but Tua, you know, Tua got hurt a little bit and um, maybe hurt his candidacy. But uh, you know, Kyler Kyler can go ahead and win the Heisman, but I think Alabama will go ahead and win the national title. So. Um, they'll both get theirs in the long run, but which, I think Kyler which is more important, it. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Which is more important? But Kyler will have that nice trophy he can carry with him uh, for the rest of his life. That's for sure. All right, Ed. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? All right, yeah, you can hit me up on my website slash uh, eagles or you can hit me up on Twitter at Kratzy K R A C Z E. You hear me? Hello? Hello? 